Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 190 of the Quickie Podcast. So happy to have you here. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and before I introduce today's guest, I got a sweet, sweet review. This one, just like, I, I was in disbelief when I read it. I just, when I started this, it was just like for fun. It was something I enjoyed doing and wanted to sort of do more of that. I already connected with designers and marketing agencies and such as part of my day job. And I wanted to do that more and scale that. I, I never thought in a million years that it would have any sort of impact or influence on anybody's life other than a little bit of entertainment, maybe, hopefully. So this review is off of Apple Podcasts, and the subject of this review is Inspired GD Student. This review was left by Garrett Mann, and it's five stars. This is what he says. I'm a graphic design student in Vancouver, Washington. I get a quickie in at least four times a day, and what a great podcast. As a second-year graphic design student, the Quickie has inspired me to push through my insecurities as an artist and gives me amazing insight on the design industry. Dave sheds light on what it's like to be a designer in society and persuade me to get my bachelor's in graphic design. This is a great resource for understanding design expectations, downfalls, and strengths. You're the man, Dave. P.S. Look out for Morning Breath Design from Brooklyn, New York. Garrett, I, I can't even properly explain to you how awesome this is to read. Dude, I'm so stoked and I, I can't wait to see your work out there and uh, definitely reach out through Instagram and I'd love to know a little bit more about what you got cooking and uh, see if there's any way I can help. So that'd be awesome. Wow. Okay. Today's guest is Kenny Morgan. He's the co-founder and CCO at Council Creative in Chattanooga, Tennessee. During this episode, we talk about how he comes from a family of artists, but originally looked at getting into the music biz, the business side of things in that music world. He tells us then about the call that he received that changed his career forever. We also talk about the little moments pointing to design that were initially ignored by Kenny. They were right there for him, but he initially ignored them. He tells us about the most influential design season in his career was an internship on the Vans Warped Tour, which is pretty damn cool. We talk about pre-iPhone life and what that was like. It was a different time back then. We talk about customer experience and how print and packaging can elevate that customer experience. Talk about the perceived security of full-time income versus full-time freelance and how Kenny decided to make the transition for himself. We also talk about the video project that they were a part of, they being Council Creative, um, and why they're so proud of it, and why they're so proud to have been a part of it. And uh, the story that he tells right in the end before the Ask It Forward question is just a dynamite one that speaks to positive client relationships and uh, the power of communication in them. So let's get to it. This is a rocking episode. I'm excited to bring it to you, excited to share. So let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, Kenny Morgan from Council Creative. Here we go.
Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field. And we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Kenny. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. No, I'm glad you can make the time. Are you ready for a Quickie? I think so. boy. Let's start with the tough stuff. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Uh, yeah. Well, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you for having me on today. Oh, um, it's my pleasure. I'm a, I'm a fan of the Quickie and I love what you're doing. And uh, it's just a pleasure to be invited. So I just want to say thank you. But my name is Kenny Morgan. I'm the co-founder and CCO at Council Creative in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that I'm a proud husband to Rachel Morgan. She's also a co-founder of at Council Creative and nice. proud parents of a six-year-old boy and a three-month-old girl named Liesl. Awesome, man. So you're you're just in that like parent realm just as like <laughs> That's I right. yeah, I've got three That's kids, right. 11, 9, okay. and 8. So we're keeps, – keeps you busy, right? Okay. Are you all done? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's it. Shut her down. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, we had our kids. We're moving on. We're moving on for the rest of life. We're into the we're into the traveling stages of our life now. That's a good place to be. Yeah, it is. It's a fun place to be. So, Council Creative, how long has that been around for? When did you guys get that going? Uh, the idea of Council Creative started around, uh, I don't know, the end of 2015, beginning of 2016. Okay. Uh, we formally uh, launched into high gear about spring of 2016. And we've been, uh, you say going strong, but business is, is a roller coaster. So it's, it's strong sometimes. And then sometimes <laughs> it's like, uh, what the heck are we doing? So, <laughs> but it's good. Perfect. We've been blessed. That's great. So you've been only at that a few years before that, before you started Council Creative, what were you up to in the design game? Well, uh, a lot. I mean, I, um, uh, I guess my pathway to the creative world was a little bit different than most, mm-hmm. um, in, in a short order, you know, I went to school for marketing and business really had no understanding of what even graphic design meant. So mm-hmm. I actually come from a, a family of artists, but there was never any clear education from family or even, you know, schooling, um, on what graphic design actually was. So, mm-hmm. You know, I I went to school for business, had a love for music. Maybe that's my uh, ties back to the Pacific Northwest. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But um, was kind of dead set on going into the music industry, more on the business side of things. And uh, I got a phone call um, from a person I barely knew. And they said, can you design me a business card? And uh, (laughs) for some odd reason, I said, sure. (laughs) And then I got off the phone. I was like, what the heck did I just agree to? Um, nice. I got to figure this out. But so, you know, my career started a little bit differently. Um, and then I just kind of navigated through, uh, I think my first job was a print shop, just low man on the totem pole, printing, designing, and then got my first invite to come to an agency. I was most certain that when they found out that I, that I wasn't a designer, that they would fire me. Um, but that didn't happen. Um, just had some really great mentors. And, um, so I worked to the agency, got recruited to come to a corporate, um, space, which my background in marketing, I think helped uh, with a segue for that. So I worked in the carpet industry. If you don't know, uh, about an hour from Chattanooga is the carpet capital of the world of all places. No way. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Not that it's a, (laughs) something to, to come visit, but it's real. And, um, so I worked there, 
worked at a cu- couple of corporate places, another big agency out of Knoxville, Tennessee. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think this culmination of experience and the good and the bad highs and lows kind of helped guide me to where you know my wife and I are at today. Perfect. So you have like definitely a sort of, I guess you'd call it like a bouncing around path to getting to to start your own thing. Lots of little bits of experience touching on different areas. And I love how it began from like a random phone call from somebody. Yeah, yeah, it's very random. Well. <laughs> yeah, it's That's crazy. awesome. A career defining phone call. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. By yeah, complete it's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's amazing how that one phone call just really changed everything. Mm-hmm. So you talked a little bit about your childhood. You have come from a family mm-hmm. of artists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while you weren't originally pursuing that path, I can mm-hmm. imagine that as soon as you got into the creative field, there was nothing but support for that because of the, you know, your parents' experience. Absolutely. Yeah, I hear stories of people that, you know, uh, tell their family, hey, I'm going to go to art school and I can imagine <laughs> the the looks and the uh, downcast faces that mm-hmm. they get. But um, I don't know. I've had I had a really great support system in my family. I'm an only child. So, um, yeah, we just had a close knit family. And, yeah, my my dad's one of four. And I think three of the four you know, sculptors, painters, sketch artists. Um, I think I have an uncle right now that his only job is basically customizing surfboards and doing the artwork for that. So really cool so stuff. Cool. And, and so, yeah, I mean, so I, I did like four years in high school of art, but there was never like, again, I, I had no clue what graphic design was. I, mm-hmm. I, uh, before, you know, kind of just thinking about our, our conversation, I was thinking about actually going back to middle school. Uh, I was a part of a, a youth group, um, and they were prepping for some type of youth competition coming up. They were doing like drama and music and, randomly handbells and I was like I'm definitely not doing handbells so uh <laughs> it's like I'm not you're not gonna teach me that so I was looking at the categories and there was a category is actually called computer graphics and yeah. I was like I don't know what that means so I read the description it was essentially like anything you create on the computer that's art classified so so uh, I don't know if I'm proud or sad to say that my uh, design career started in, in uh, an amazing program called Microsoft Paint. Oh, go and, Paint. I love it. <laughs> so, love it, yeah. And uh, so many uh, opportunities there. But I designed something. It's like, I don't know, it's a really bad rendition of like a Picasso painting or something, you know. And uh, turned it in and actually got like the highest prize. And came. I think I still in, in a closet have uh, an, a trophy that's like 75 percent of my height so it was like (laughs) little moments uh you know i won a t-shirt competition elementary school so there's these little like previews of hey this is this is where you're going to end up but i just didn't have the i guess eyes and the understanding to know like that's where i would land so you had all of these little moments that basically pointed you in the direction of graphic design and and creative Mm -hmm. but you just either you just didn't see him at the time you were Mm -hmm. you were focused elsewhere Absolutely. I guess you know, it's just and not a lot of education. I think uh, I'm more involved with schools now, both on the high school and collegiate level. And I'm I'm grateful now that that you know young people have an opportunity to learn more about you know production and design. Whereas when I was in school, it was just like very bare bones. So I just wasn't you know knowledgeable. And you know my family was more sculptors and painters, so not so much digital art. Mm-hmm. And so you know I took. Um, I had a really transitional summer. Uh, I spent a, um, I did an internship uh, on the Vans Warp Tour, mm-hmm. and then the following summer I worked for Sony. That's where I got the phone call. But that really opened up my eyes to 
you know, marketing and creative and all the things that go into design. And so I think it's just a perfect timing and great place to be when that phone call did come. Okay. So tell me about this, uh, your internship on the Vance Warp Tour. Like what was that for? Was that for a creative? Was that for marketing or, or what, what influence do you think that had? Uh, huge influence. You know, one of your, you know, leading questions was, um, you know, most influential design and, mm-hmm. and try to think of a design, but it was more about a season for me. So, uh, the South has definitely progressed more in the last 10 years, but, uh, it was also very like a, everything's felt like a small town community. So, uh, getting on the warp tour, I was a 52 city tour, about three months long U S Canada. And that was like the first experience I had beyond, uh, you know, the South, you know, I mean, I was born in Tacoma, but I pretty much was raised in in Tennessee. And, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, it was just, uh, I got to see how creative and design and just that, thought process how it impacted like um just music and album artwork and even the way people like present themselves and yeah i mean it was i got to meet new people new cultures and uh yeah it was it was an experience for sure what a great experience and then so that was an influential season i like how you worded that Mm -hmm. i'm an influential season in your design career your transition to sony tell me about that what was Mm -hmm. what did you have going on at sony what did you were you doing there so when I was on the Vans Warp Tour, I actually represented Sony. Um, I had uh, I was really close to a, a music group in Chattanooga that got signed by Sony. So I kind of had like a, a foot in the door uh, with awesome. them. And so, you know, Vans, you know, I, I just fell in love with that, that tour. And then, you know, I was, again, just kind of dead set on going down the music industry pathway. So mm-hmm. I got an internship with Sony. And, um, yeah, it was incredible. I mean, I uh, got pulled in by an artist representative so i mean he kind of threw me at everything helped me uh get involved with like photo shoots like grooming young artists flying out to you know cities where they're performing not telling them and just evaluating like how how they interact with the audience and i mean even things about like just how they present themselves really just the whole package you know and um yeah and again that's where the phone call came and um uh yeah when that phone call came i got a bootleg version of photoshop from one of the guys at the record label and (laughs) there there it all began but yeah i mean just those two summers um just taught me a lot and and just opened my eyes of of what what it is what what does creative mean um what does digital you know art mean and and really started to see um that you know maybe this is the pathway that i was created for what a cool experience that would be influential for sure Absolutely. Uh, Kenny, I want to ask you now, who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow? And what Mm -hmm. is it about them that you like? Right. Uh, I feel like my answer is a bit cliche, but, um, you know, I was, uh, I'm 33 now, but, you know, I've been able to see that the season before Apple, right? Uh And then the season, I mean, I remember in high school, like getting a beeper and I thought that was the coolest thing, you know? (laughs) And then, um, and then seeing like the very first iPhone and I know that's, that's a, I'm sure an answer for a lot of people, but I think what I appreciate about it most and about the way that they communicate to their audience is, um, their sales approach is not, you know, come buy our product now, uh, at this price and, Here's the features and just this um, almost like banner ad type sell approach that had been the staple for so long. 
you know, it was about how how does a product or a service really change someone's life? You know, yes. like the commercials or people capturing their their daughter or son's first birthday or um, on the trip of a lifetime, seeing a waterfall that is just you know it's the first thing they they it's like one of the most breathtaking things they've ever seen. So I guess I kind of grew up in that world, and you know I, I work in carpet, which isn't the sexiest of products in the world. I worked in the auto uh, manufacturing company that makes floor mats for cars. Again, not the sexiest product in the world, but you know what companies like Apple and how they marketed products. I said, you know, surely even with carpet and f- car floor mats and really any client that we take on board, surely we can figure out how to emotionally connect a product to the end user. And that's that's why i am just been such a fan of, of how they distribute their content. You know, that's so true. And, you know, I'm very similar age to you. I'm 34 now. <laughs> yeah, 34. 34 now. And um, I remember pre-iPhone life mm-hmm. and now post-iPhone life. Mm-hmm. And a really funny story this just randomly reminded me of is when I was I was in grade six. So, gosh, what age is grade six? That's like 11, 12? Yeah, yeah. Right in that area. I found a flip phone on the way to school, on the walk to school one day, completely just sitting on the street. The battery was on one, like the battery was there and it was this huge battery pack. And then the phone itself was just the little, like the little part you talk was the little flip down part, not a full flip phone, just the little part sure. you talk. And it had the antenna that you pull out the top of it. I remember this distinctly and I turned it on and it worked and I was shocked I was like, oh my gosh, this actually works. I can phone people. <laughs> and the, at lunch that day, I showed all my friends. I'm like, check this out. And one of my friends, <laughs> so I don't remember who it was at this time, we're in the back corner of the field on this phone, all huddled against the fence. And he goes, oh, my brother, he, uh, he, he told me about this number called 1-900-SANTA. <laughs> what? What is that? So we phone it and we're listening. And it was like the original like sexy one nine hundred numbers where you phone and it was this lady on the other Oh man. It was this auto, probably an automated person picking up, Hey there, thanks for calling one nine hundred Santa. And we thought it was the funniest thing we'd ever Oh man. <laughs> oh, That's so awesome. Random. But I remember the pre iPhone life, man. Oh yeah. And, and you're right, the messaging of the product not only the product, but the messaging and the way it was presented, mm. you know, became so much more than just a phone. Absolutely. It's incredible. Um, I want to get into a little bit about print and packaging here, Kenny. Mm-hmm. I want to hear how you have utilized print and packaging design in your career so far and any specific projects or stories around that that you can share with us. Sure. Yeah, I think um, I had the opportunity to work uh, with Michelin, Rubbermaid, uh, actually the NFL too on some print stuff. And, um, you know, those are really great opportunities. I mean, uh, I love, again, you know, there's an aspect of design that's, um, helps validate a product or a service. You know, I think it's, that's the, that's the beautiful thing about design is you can, uh, it, it design helps make or break a product. You can have a, mm-hmm. a really great product that, falls flat because the design is poor and sometimes you can have a bad product that does well because the design helped elevate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the, even with packaging, that's one thing that, that I found was how to, how to even with packaging do I, I, I create an experience, you know? Um, you know, we did, a 
a product for Michelin. It, again, it was in the floor mat side of things, but just uh, created a, a box that I think it was white, had a uh, matte finish. Uh, it was actually it was similar to, I guess, yeah, I guess Apple again. You know, it was, it was packaged up in a, a shipping box, but when you opened it up, it was just, you know, matte finish. Um, and just really the whole experience was not something that you would expect from a floor mat company, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, just I've had the opportunity to do a, a number of packaging and to me, it's just all about, we did some stuff for, um, a subscription, uh, box company and just really thinking about, you know, from beginning to end, you know, mm-hmm. uh, how can, how can you invest, uh, in the quality design to really elevate, um, the product itself. So, um, I love print and, uh, and even this is, I guess you can still consider this print, but we're, we're big on those personal touches. So one thing that we do at our agency is, um, it's very simple, but I think it's one of the most basic things that people can still engage with and build a connection with our audience. And that was, mm-hmm. um, like personalized note cards. You know, like when, when Rachel and I first started the agency, um, we actually converted a lot of new clients just from dropping an old fashioned you know, envelope in the mail. But, um, you know, just things like that, even that form of print, um, how do you take a print document but still put some human uh, elements to it um, and connect with the people that you're trying to reach? So mm-hmm. I love print. Even in the world of the digital age, I still think it's very effective. Um, but again, it's like how do we emotionally connect using that particular medium? You know, I almost think it's um, it's print and packaging is in this digital world is increasingly more important Mm -hmm. because yes, video can engage with human emotion, Mm -hmm. but it still doesn't, it's still in digital format and easy to just scroll past just to get through something that's printed and tangible and arrives in somebody's mailbox. You're now in their home, in their hands. Mm-hmm. that's hard to get and it's tangible they're from the paper itself to the smells because you can interact with all mm-hmm. these different senses you interact with them on a level that digital can't right now absolutely you can't. so print is the way man print is the absolutely way. love it all right kenny the next few questions i have for you take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes learned mm-hmm. some lessons and i want to pull those stories out of you and share those with the listeners sure what has been the most challenging period of time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Yeah, I mean, there's, I think if we're all honest with ourselves, that we, we're we going to face a lot of challenges and a lot Absolutely. of hard times. I'm, um, and I always, you know, I've always been one of these guys that wants to continue to grow. I mean, I think, I hope that I reach my 70s and 80s, but I always tell my wife, you know, if I, if I don't have the attitude uh, and the passion for growth and I tell her it's probably just time to throw me in the in the hole and throw some dirt <laughs> on top of me now because I think that that's when we cut ourselves short is, is we you know don't want to grow but mm-hmm. um, I mean there's been a lot of challenging times I mean not being a quote-unquote design student and coming down the pathway in a traditional format I, I think I struggled a lot with um, confidence and this belief that I actually was a designer I mean I think it took probably I've been in the creative space for about 14 years now. It probably took me a good five or six years to think, hey, um, maybe I am a designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it took winning some, not that awards were uh, necessarily what I was seeking out, but it, it at least helped me understand that, you know, maybe I do have a gift in this in this particular category. But 
I think the biggest challenging, the most challenging time has been, and most most rewarding too, is um, this transition from uh, freelance career into starting our own business. Uh, mm-hmm. Business is is a puzzle. Every single day, it comes with new challenges, you know. And it's it's a uh, leadership is um, it's special. I mean, it's it's quite the way of responsibility but um leadership can be very lonely at times mm-hmm. um my wife and i actually this room is where we started our agency so just two little desks side by side and it's kind of ironic that i'm having this conversation in this room today <laughs> but um you know my wife we, we have two children now so she's not as involved in the day-to-day as much as it was when we first you know started the business and mm-hmm. um yeah and so leadership can be can be lonely um and just knowing like how to how to appropriately like run your tax system and how to be a leader. I mean, I can be a leader from a creator standpoint, but if you're asking me to teach someone how to project manage or go after leads, you know, like those aren't areas necessarily where I'm necessarily st- strong in. So mm-hmm. I, I would just say just running a business and trying to figure out how to grow. That's been a daily challenge, but it's incredibly rewarding, and I wouldn't change it for anything. Mm-hmm. So how? How old was your oldest when you decided to go full-time freelance? Oh, let's see. Um, I was already full to see full-time. Um, let's see. That's not true. I would probably say about one years old. About one. About, about mm-hmm. So yep. tell me about that decision because, you know, I, at least what I found is when when I had our first child, I was just filled with this feeling of, having to provide more than I Mm. ever felt before. Mm -hmm. And even to this day, you know, it's, it's a, it's part of what drives me Mm -hmm. that, you know, I have these kids that I want to create a great life for. I want us to do some great things as a family. So that's like some drive and some things to keep me going, but making the decision to go from perceived security of a full-time job. Mm -hmm. And I say perceived security because if it's, if the owner of that business feels it's most beneficial for him and his family and his business that you no longer work there. That Mm -hmm. decision is made. So you really don't have security working full time somewhere else, but it's, it's perceived. It's more, it's more normal that perceived security, right? So making that decision to go from that Mm -hmm. to full-time freelance, talk me through that. Like, did you have a boatload of freelance clients that you could just jump into and make some big dough and, you know, get you through some times or did you have to mm-hmm. bank up a little bit or like, what was that process? I wish I had a, a bank filled, you know, like a, <laughs> uh, well, maybe one of those days. Yeah. I'll have to, I got but, a couple um, hundred thousand dollars there <laughs> yeah. to get me through a year yeah. or two. I hear of people that do that. I'm like, man, they're so awesome, but I haven't pulled that one off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, I mean, yeah, I love what you say about perceived um, security. And honestly, I haven't really thought about that. I mean, you, yeah, you, you, at any point, you could get that that pink slip that says, at "Hey, we're point. sorry, but you got to go." And so it really is just more perceived. But you know, for me, it I felt like the two years was about a burnout for me. Um, yeah, I had a passion for the things that I was working on. I think more specifically with corporate clients, two years, you know, I've been working on the same type products and um, messaging. And a lot of times the corporate space in particular moves very slowly. So when I worked in the creative world, it was like, we need this yesterday and you're going to be here till midnight to get it finished. And in the corporate world, it was, uh, yeah, just give it to me in about a month. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I mean, (laughs) the internet's only so deep, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and so I just would, I didn't really love the feeling of coming in every day and just seeing the time tick away. And so uh, there was obvious fear about how do I take care of my family and, and how do I ensure that you know, we have um, food on the table. But the the feeling of just not being utilized and um, taking full advantage of this life that I was given, um, that that discomfort was a lot greater than the fear of not having money. And for me, I, I was really fortunate. Um, the timing just, I don't know, uh, divine, I guess. Um, I had two, two really big um, clients that reached out and um, did offer me almost like equally like a full-time salary almost. So I was still a 1099, but I had the privilege of basically walking into um, a freelance career that was backed by some security. So, and I, uh, yeah, I'm grateful for that. And, and, um, and then the, that freelance time really, you know, helped to ultimately shape us into, you know, starting our own agency. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's scary, but I, I think, you know, I think of all of the burdens that come with business ownership and freelance. But uh, when I think about going back, um, I just I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, totally. And it's not that it's that's a bad pathway. I mean, there's a lot of incredible people that fit really well within that system. I think it's uh-huh. more about the individual and hundred um, percent is personality. You know, so and for us, you know, I I do have kids and I do have a family. We joke and say maybe one of the the few couples that uh, actually wants to be around each other all day long. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think for us it was like how do we how do we create something where we can be available for our family and yes. even other people. I mean, I, I would not be here today without people that I have invested in my career. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt so mm-hmm. out of place. And then these design leaders and marketing leaders said, hey, I'm going to take you under my wing. And so I feel a bit of a, a responsibility um, to – give back to those young uh, students in high school or college or even those that are out of college that did go to design school but just feel completely lost. And so, yeah, I want to, you know, we wanted to create this environment where I can lead a team but also pull myself away and, and invest in others who may be starting their career out too. Mm-hmm. Great. I love that, man. So, Kenny, I want to get a little bit more specific here. I want mm-hmm. you to, to take us to a specific design or project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What mm-hmm. did that feel like? Um, tell me about that. Take us to that story. Sure. Uh, there's, I mean, life has this way of uh, guiding you through some challenging times. So there, there's definitely more than one. Um, but I, I, I guess I, I started thinking more about one that was not too distant from now. Um, and, you know, the project started out really great, uh, great communication with the client, uh, a really great product. It was, it was the subscription box company that I referenced earlier. Um, everybody was excited. Um, but basically, a number of assets were created. A, a new website platform was built. Um, a lot of new, like, video ads were created for social media. Um, and then... Uh, about six months after we launched the project form, and this was like a second iteration, so they had already gone live before working mm-hmm. with us. They, about six months after we finished the work, um, they closed up shop. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, it was a sickening feeling. I think, you know, on, on one end, you know, it was one of those uh, clients that also had a board to answer to. So there were a lot of uh, cooks in the kitchen, if you will, and really nice people. Um, 
but you know initially there wasn't there was clear goals of what they were looking for they wanted a new website that that helped validate their product and they wanted these video ads to run but there was never any talk about the strategy so you know you hear this uh the old i think it's 1989 movie filled of dreams there's that line if you build it they will come Mm -hmm. and that's so far from the truth you know in in (laughs) life you know and so um yeah, we, we had built a great platform, and I'm incredibly pr- proud of the design that came from it. And the videos were some of our best, but just because it was built doesn't mean people are going to come. Yeah. And, and you know, at first reaction, I think as humans, sometimes we can be defensive and why we weren't the problem. And so initially, I was like, well, they asked us to change a bunch of things. They didn't have a vision. Um, but we have since just really tried to change not our mentality, but just the way that we, um, so our name is council creative Mm -hmm. because I, I think the word council came from, can we be an agency that actually listens to our clients versus doing all the talking or prescribing things without the diagnosis even being in place, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I guess in this transition, even in last year and this year, you know, we're trying to say, yes, we can build you a great website. We can build you or produce some really great videos, but you know, what's the purpose behind it? Like how, how does this impact your business? You know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, yes, I think there's some things on both sides that could have been done and better, but we're really trying to say, how could we have served them better? How could we, uh, have, um, led them or at least coach them in a way that they'd still be in business today and, mm-hmm. and be thriving, you know? So, um, it's hard to go through that, but uh, to me, uh, the hardest challenges or ha- hardest seasons give birth to, um, the greatest seasons if you let it. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. You know, that's, and if you, you have to look at the, for lack of a better term, the failures mm. and the lessons that come from those, like those are all learning opportunities. That's what they're there for. <laughs> Right? It's not meant to tell you you're horrible, you suck, and mm-hmm. you should not be doing this. Yeah, it's it's a learning opportunity. Absolutely. And maybe that learning is you need to get more focused, or you need to expand mm-hmm. your horizons, or whatever that lesson is, whatever that learning yeah. opportunity brings. It's there for a learning opportunity, and and the faster you can fail, the faster you'll learn what's going to be working, what's right, Absolutely. right. All right, Kenny, we'll turn it around here. Tell me about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, one that mm-hmm. just makes your heart sing. Now, that's a great question. Um, my answer may be different than than some. I think, you know, I've, I've, I mentioned it earlier, I've had the opportunity to work with some really big clients and small mm-hmm. projects too that were uh, incredibly fun and rewarding and I'll, I'll never forget it, you know. Um, I'm... I'm one of those creatives that also is an avid sports fan, so getting to work on the NFL was incredibly fun. I got to talk to some Hall of Famers, and yeah, that was amazing. But I think for me, um, the design project to me, it's, it's always my favorite or the biggest um, is the next one. And it kind of is a segue from what we just talked about that um, we can always do better. We can always serve in a greater capacity. And so, uh, you know, we've had the opportunity. We've been really blessed um, to win, have won a, a good bit of Addy Awards, both locally and regionally. And those are always great. But when I sit there and I watch the content live, I'm just like, man, I, we could have done this 
so much better, you know. And <laughs> and I don't I don't see I, I, it's not from a, a negative place. It's just I, I want to serve people in a greater capacity. But for one example, um, there's if you ever get the chance, and I, I would love to tour you around Chattanooga. But um, there's a Chattanooga is like uh, it's called the scenic city, but it's just full of tourists. It's a very tourist town, but okay. not not really gimmicky. It's it's yeah. uh, there's it's a really beautiful outdoor city, but there's a underground waterfall um, called Ruby Falls in Chattanooga that we had the pleasure of doing some um, experiential videos. So when people go on a tour, we were able to create this video that they watched at the beginning of their tour. Yeah. Um, but it's just that whole project. I mean, they've been they've been around since the 1930s. Wow. And I don't think they ever really told their story i mean i've been in chattanooga for about 28 years um once i moved from tacoma and i had never been to ruby falls Mm -hmm. i've been to plenty of tourist spots in chattanooga but never ruby falls because i didn't know their story i didn't know how authentic it was I, i later learned that ruby was named after the guy's wife who found it um and so you know when we when we met him and uncovered the story it just it became like family and just had the opportunity to tell this cinematic piece in a way that we had never done before. And um, it was amazing. But I'll tell you what was special about it is, one, this is an exposure in business ownership. Sometimes I get so um, focused in on the quality that if I'm not careful, I'll spend all the money. You know, So we, <laughs> we set a budget, and I think it was decent. But um, after the end of it, I think I, we actually lost money. and But it, it really turned into a beautiful piece. But what I, I guess I wanted to share just this uh, special moment of being in business ownership um we did a second project for the client we had to price some stuff out and they looked at the proposal and like hey this is great i think we can move forward but we noticed the pricing was a little higher this time can you tell us why and i was like well i didn't really want to tell you guys this but we actually lost a lot of money <laughs> the last time and so i just i just need to make sure that i don't lose money this time and and they're like, that's great. And about a week later, we got a check. Um, uh, they had asked me what the the how much we had lost, and they basically wrote us a check for um, the amount that we went negative. Um, wow. Which, you know, I've, I've never had that happen before. But um, yeah, I think every project comes with new challenges, um, and that's what excites me. It's like I've yeah, I've got to work with big brands and amazing mom and pops and i love it but i'm always forward thinking of how how can we serve better how can we um we're very open to we we talk about how we love our clients a lot so mm-hmm. it's like how can we love on people harder and and that's that's really the that's those are the projects that i'm always excited about Man, it's not I, only the past but what's what's ahead i love that story and the way like what an amazing client to step up like that and just be like you know we have so much value in this relationship like Tell us what you lost. Yeah, and then by never have surprise. Before. That's that's incredible. It was incredible. So um, we 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 have plans of working with them for a long time. So just Amazing. just a blessing. Well, Kenny, you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question, my friend. Okay. So I have okay. a question for you from my last guest, and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them <laughs> yeah. anything. So my last guest was Avelio Matos. And he is a packaging designer out of Arizona. Mm. And he wanted to ask you, what part are you playing or what are you doing to increase or educate about sustainability in design? Hmm. That's a, that's a big one right there. It's a good um, one. 
Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like almost asking what's the answer to life a little bit. Um, I think for me and for us, I think, uh, and maybe this, I don't know if this is the right way to approach it, but we have tried to align ourselves with companies that are focused on sustainability. Mm-hmm. So one example is um, a group out of Chattanooga called Thrive Regional Partnership. Mm-hmm. You know, so Chattanooga is, because of its proximity to Atlanta, Nashville, um, Knoxville, Huntsville, Birmingham, it has become one of the biggest uh, transportation hubs in the South. Wow. It's just every every week a new transportation or logistics company is popping up. So mm-hmm. uh, we have also... I think in the last five years have been in the top, um, actually been named number one outdoor city in the U.S. So we've wow. got a lot of transportation and a lot of beautiful um, sites around Chattanooga. So uh, there's the Thrive Regional Partnership, which is focused on uh, sustainability in our city. Like how do we support this industry, but also protect our natural resources? So I think mm-hmm. for us, it's been about, and it's not always for-profit jobs. It may be just something where we've done in our time, but is how do we align ourselves with people that are doing good, um, either for other people or our community or our region. Um, so I think that's been, it's more been about how we align ourselves with people that are focused on that, mm-hmm. that are focused on um, just those good principles in, in our community and doing good. That's what we're all about. I mean, I, I won't tell that story, but we're just, we're, we're focused exclusively on on doing good. And that's, I think that's a great question for that. I like that. Kenny, what is the question you would like me to ask the next guest? So my question is, uh, what legacy do you want to leave, and Oof. how does design fit into that? Wow. You went there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I had a feeling that uh, my question was going to be tough, <laughs> so I'm paying it forward. I love it. So what legacy do you want to leave, mm-hmm. and how does design fit into that? Mm-hmm. I love it. Kenny, you've reached the end of the Quickie Podcast, man. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely, Dave. And I appreciate you and uh, wish you nothing but the best going forward. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. If you're digging what you hear on the Quickie Podcast here, head over to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and leave a rating and review for the show. I just might read it out at the beginning of an episode. Thanks. See you tomorrow.